Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Liberating Jesus. You know what's really cool about this show? Last week, we were talking about detoxing through infrared saunas, and this week, we're talking about liberating Jesus. We are covering all of our bases here on all fronts. And Roberta Grimes is joining me back on the show because when I met her, I wanted to talk about Flying High in Spirit, which if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. It's so good. That book is so good. It's really about the afterlife and the thin veil between our frequency and dimension and the afterlife. Um, And for anybody that wonders what happens after you pass away, it just really gives you like a very clear understanding of that. And I also wanted to talk about her book, Liberating Jesus. And she felt like we shouldn't do that in one episode because that's a lot to cover. And I agreed. And um, I really wanted to talk to her about her experience of channeling this book. She talks about the teaching of Jesus beyond the ways that it's been interpreted by religion. And I think how this book came to be is really fascinating. And as in all the episodes on the show, you know, take what resonates with you. Like everyone's at a different frequency and some information will really hit home for people and other information won't. Take what what hits home right now, right? Leave the rest for later. Listen to it a year from now. You may find that you resonate on a certain level with certain information at this point in time, and you might resonate with new information at another point in time. And this is how frequency works. Our vantage point evolves as we evolve and as we grow. And I created this show as a source of real exploration into self, into understanding who you are, understanding frequency, and the constant unfolding that each one of us is undergoing. And I deeply admire the teachings of Jesus and what I believe that he stood for as a human being. And I think he had great knowledge to share. And my hope is that we continue to love more, which was part of his message, um, to trust more, to follow our hearts, right? I mean, that's what makes up a beautiful journey. And so I'm honored to have Roberta on the show today to talk about this book. She's a business attorney. We, we met eye to eye on this. She was a businesswoman. I was a businesswoman and then had these incredible experiences. Um, and she had a really profound um, life moments where she had experiences of light from childhood. Um, then she spent decades of her life studying nearly 200 years of like abundant, consistent communication from the dead. She studied quantum mechanics. She studied the nature of consciousness She's been a guest on hundreds of radio programs, and she also hosts a radio show called Seek Reality, which is on webtalkradio.net, and she started that back in 2013, so it's a very established show, and you can also get it on iTunes, you can get it on Dream Visions 7 Radio, Um, they have 
archived hundreds of episodes. And she is just one of the top experts in understanding what happens when we cross over. So with no further ado, the lovely Roberta Grimes. Roberta, welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. And I will tell a little bit of the story when we connected because I know I um, your and Carol's interview has been on the show. And there were two things I wanted to talk to you about, which were Jesus and Mikey. And we talked about Mikey um, before. And today we're going to really focus on your book, Liberating Jesus. And as I was sharing with you before we were recording, it was just a really powerful book and transmission for me. I could feel the energy behind it. And so I'm grateful that you wrote it. And since this is such a big subject, I want to, you know, really take people back. Like, I mean, when you see a book and the title is Liberating Jesus, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like what's, what's going to be in here? And <laughs> what am I getting into here? So um, if you could just take us back to kind of, you know, your experience with, with Jesus and how this book came about and, um, and start to take us down the road a little bit, then, then we'll just kind of set the stage for people. Well, um, I go back a long way with Jesus. When I was eight, I was a good little Christian child and I woke up when it was April of 1955. I woke up in the middle of the night and knew there was no God and I was terrified. And in the middle of my fear, there came a flash of light in the room and a voice said, you wouldn't know what it is to have me if you didn't know what it is to be without me. I will never leave you again. So that was what started me on my, my effort to understand what the heck really is going on. Um, I had a second experience of light when I was 20 and that just re reinforced for me the fact that the first one had been real. So I majored in Christianity in high school. I began reading the, the whole Bible cover to cover when I was probably 12 or 13. And I just, I just was searching my whole life long. But because I was trying to understand what was going on, I wanted to know where the dead are because I thought that's where that light had come from in that voice. And I, it, I, that turned out to be actually right. So I was reading all these communications. We, we had a heyday of communications 100 to 125 years ago from people we used to think were dead. And they were also amazingly consistent. In, many of them were, were received in either um, uh, southern England or the eastern sort of third of the United States. And they all had, these people had all been to the same place, same process, same physics, same everything about it, same pastimes, the same way they dressed, just the whole, everything was the same. And the more research I did, the more sure I became that, in fact, of course, we do survive our deaths. But there I was reading my Gospels, being an extremely good Christian. I thought eventually I would be a clergyman, but I, then I ended up marrying a Catholic, so I became a zealous Catholic. But, you know, when I was in my early 50s, I came to this horrible realization that the dead are telling us something totally different from what Christians believe. I, I had looked and looked for some evidence that what I had believed as a Christian was right, and it was not right. So I had a crisis of faith that lasted for a couple of years until I finally, I kept remembering Jesus had said a lot of this stuff. I just didn't want him to be wrong about anything. So 
when I finally sat down and read just the Gospels without all the other stuff and without, you know, just forgetting what Christianity teaches, I discovered Jesus told us a lot of what the dead are telling us. He told us the same stuff 2,000 years ago. So I could confirm both that the, that the dead were real and that Jesus was real because there, you, you could never have such a correspondence otherwise. And that's what started me um, on the, the tr more public track I'm on today. I felt that I was one of the only people in the world who could have discovered this. And to me, it's very important information. Yeah, so, so you, it, you know, when we grow up in a religious belief, I mean, that is very solid in the foundation of who we are. So to have, you know, those beliefs challenged or to, to find evidence to the contrary of those beliefs is tough, right? And oh yes, yeah. Like, like what? Well, my first thought was, could, could you go to hell for discovering there is no hell? I mean, that's kind of that's what I was in. It was a horrible situation. Yeah, I can imagine. And then you know, because you're an afterlife researcher and you have all of this, you know, information, right? That is that is the same time and time again, right? Or these, yes. these pieces of information that are all adding up. And then you're yes. starting to look at it from the standpoint of Jesus and look at these as a researcher too, right? Like how how does this all come together? What was the, the conclusion is like, was the religion created not really on the teachings of Jesus? Yes, the, the religion was created by human beings. But Jesus is genuine, 100%. We, we can prove it. I mean, he knows, He knows. for example, he talks about the outer darkness where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. There really is an outer darkness. There's no fiery hell. And we are the only ones who put ourselves in the outer darkness. But it is for sure real. So when, you, when you've discovered that he knew this stuff, it boggles your mind. He talked to the woman at the well about living water. Well, it turns out in the afterlife, the water is alive. It literally is alive, and it's energy-giving and life-giving. So all, all sorts of things. And plus, the whole reason we're here is to learn to love ever more perfectly. What did Jesus come to tell us? Tell, he came to tell us that. So um, it was impossible. it's impossible for Jesus not to be genuine. However, the, the Gospels were edited repeatedly as the church was building itself, the Roman church. And in point of fact, they took stuff out and they added stuff, but now we can tell what they added because it's got anachronisms in it. So, you know, we can just pluck all that out. There's a there's a, a an appendix in Liberating Jesus, which shows you how you can tell what's not real. And you can, you can have back to an amazing degree, at least part of what Jesus said, not the stuff they, they threw away. We can't get that back, but we can get a lot back just by getting rid of the, the nonsense they added. Yeah. And you say in the book, like you talk about Jesus wanting us to know that his teachings are a philosophy, not a religion. Yes. What, what is the general philosophy? Like when he was here incarnated and teaching the people, what, what were the main points of the teaching? Number one, he came to teach us that the, the entire Old Testament has now been fulfilled by him. It was called the Law and the Prophets then, and therefore we can throw it away. He replaced it with what he called God's law of perfect love. We must love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourself. In that consists all the Law and the Prophets. So get your scissors out, take most of the Christian Bible, and cut it away. That's the first thing he said. And that's important because a lot of what modern Christians hang around other people's necks 
is stuff that is in the Old Testament and obviously wrong. They they choose they choose some things to to condemn people for, such as homosexuality. But in the same place where they read about, you know, if a man lies with a man as with a woman, you should, you know, he has to put, be put to death. In the same place, virtually, it says, if a, if, a, if a girl is found to be not a virgin on her wedding night, she shall be taken to the step of her parents' house and stoned to death. So, okay, why aren't they stoning more, more non-virgins to death, I wonder? You know, you can't selectively read it and say it's all God's inspired word. You just can't do that. It's not all God's inspired word. In fact, the words of Jesus are, but none of the rest of it is. And so do you feel like at the time when the text was being created, like you talk about it being edited and added to and things like that, it was basically creating a construct for the time, like taking this philosophy and then adding in some human beings, like idea of what morals and, and judgments were of the time? Jesus is an eternal being. He came to give us eternal truths that are even more relevant today, arguably, than they were back then. He came, for example, to, to abolish religions. Anyone who thinks that's not true just needs to sit down and closely read what he said. He came to teach us how to relate to God on our own. Go into your inner room, close the door, and talk to, the, to God in secret, and the God who hears in secret will reward you. He told us all of this stuff plainly, but of course that doesn't help you build a religion, does it? And back then it was about building an institution. And why? Because, you know, that's how you make a living. That's how you make money. I mean, it was, it was a business very early on for the Romans and, and a way to control people. So they didn't, it wasn't, I would, I would argue it wasn't even built with the best of intentions. It was built as a way to, to better control um, people who are going to have some religion. At that point, everybody had a religion, so they wanted to give them one that they could control. The first 300 years, the, the, the crucifixion of Jesus wasn't even emphasized. You cannot find a, a, any cross, any crucifix in the catacombs in Rome where they were burying millions of people for the first several hundred years. You can't even, I mean, it wasn't even important, but it's important if you want to instill guilt in people because guilt is how you make sure they stick in the pews um, and they don't, uh, you know, they don't go anywhere else on Sunday morning. Christianity is built on fear. Jesus came to teach perfect love. Christianity is the opposite of what Jesus came to do. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And you talk about, there's some really interesting information too in the appendix. Um, and something that just kind of moved me is, you talk about, like it says, Jesus keeps promoting me to use the word second revelation or new revelation. His first attempt was 2000 years ago to teach us the essential truths that was his first revelation. He made it simple, but still those to whom he spoke were too stuck in first century religious fears to really grasp what he was saying. Then he tried again to speak to us in the 1960s by leading a group behind A Course in Miracles. Sadly, that beautiful work is so far above our heads that it was another. Yes. So this time he's speaking directly to Christians using your own language and your own scriptures. He's giving us the challenge. You say you follow me and listen to me. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important probably to say here, and this is something, it, it took me a long time to be able to accept the fact that I cannot write a single word. Everything I've ever written has been channeled. 
Um, and I, that's the way it is. I have a, a, a guide to whom I made promises before I came into this earth, one of which was to write a book very light, much like Liberating Jesus. He had done it in his lifetime in the, in the early uh, 19th century, and, and he hadn't published it. He wanted, he wanted it done for this modern day, and that was what I said I would do. Well, meanwhile, Jesus has apparently decided that it's time to give people a revelation for the modern day. And so therefore, reportedly, he did lead the group. There was a rumor that he had, and he did apparently he did lead the group around A Course of Miracles, which is so far above everybody's head. Nobody understands it. You've got to literally uh, take a course in it to understand it. So that was another miss. That was in the, in the late 60s. So people ignored his teachings 2,000 years ago. They ignored A Course in Miracles. So I am told by my guy that, that around 1980 in Earth time, Jesus decided that he was going to find what they called a pure vessel, someone who's not known to be a channel, and I wasn't at the time. And um, he was going to channel the same lessons he gave us 2,000 years ago, but corrected for all of the Christian nonsense that was added and tried, I guess to some extent, perhaps even he added stuff. I haven't read the book lately, but the point is, that's what happened. I didn't know anything about this. Um, I was just prepared to to write the book. I was chosen apparently because Thomas, my my guide, was already preparing me to write his book, and so I was chosen. And they because they proved I could channel, I could. So then, out of the blue, um, and I refused apparently to write the book. So out of the blue, Thomas broke into my life early in 2015 and told me I had to write this book, even though I felt I wasn't worthy. I didn't have to worry about that. I had to write the book. And I thought he was going to write it with me. So fine, Thomas, we're, we're pals. And lo and behold, almost immediately, he let me know that I was about to channel the Lord. And it was a totally different, very much more powerful being that I was working with. And he did the whole book in two weeks. I almost never slept in that time. Yeah, it's amazing. The information comes fast, right? Oh, I mean, he used me like a word processor. Thomas doesn't. Thomas gives me the ideas and, you know, then he has me edit it. Uh-uh. None of this was edited. This all just came right through my fingers. I didn't even read what was happening until after he had left. Suddenly he was gone. It was a very kind of awful feel. It was, it was an ex- astonishing feeling to have him in my mind all the time. And then suddenly he was entirely gone. Fascinating. I want to talk about this from that right there from a couple different perspectives. So for for people listening to this conversation who may have spent their life, you know, as a devout Christian and they're hearing this for the first time, like just to be, I just want to have space for that. Like that that when new information enters, like the recalibration of that new information, the time of just sitting yes. with it. So for anybody, I mean, like you shared, Roberta, it was like a few years where you were in a little bit of a tailspin about like, what does this really mean? And so yes. for anybody that might be listening and just going, oh my gosh, or wanting to just filter this out altogether and just say, uh, I can't even handle this. Like, it's just about, you know, letting it be within you. And just sitting with it, right? And seeing how it lands and just, you know, giving it time. And for those that might be listening, also thinking like, oh my gosh, yes, like this speaks to me on every different level. Um, You know, I just highly recommend reading this book um, if it's speaking to you, because it really goes into a lot of detail on these specific words, right? The words of Jesus and the things that he said and what the true intentions were um, behind that. And 
Um, you know, also for anyone that's listening that is not familiar, you know, with channeling or the experience of channeling, which is just phenomenal. And again, I have that experience. I know you have that experience, Roberta. Like, and and it's I want to honor to what it is to because I think for many people I talked to, including myself, there were times in my life where I'm like, didn't even know what that was. And right. even and felt like that seems kind of weird, or I don't even know, you know, <laughs> what that means or what that would be like. And um, and just to kind of normalize the experience and our capacity to, you know, to tap into other energy and to have other information come through us and also to realize what it takes to show up for it, right? Like you were saying, the information coming so quickly and to to move your, your ego aside and to allow that to come through you is big in and of itself. It, it's important to understand everyone that God is real, God is genuine, but God really isn't like the kind of unpleasant being that Christians teach us God is, that God, you know, is going to condemn, condemn some people to hell. And, you know, if you go, there are 40,000 versions of Christianity, try picking the right one. And if you don't, you might go to hell. I mean, that kind of stuff always used to make me uneasy, but I trusted that still, you know, God would, would lead me where I needed to go. And actually God did. And it turned out to be that he needed, he led me out of Christianity and into the, the, the direct devotion that Jesus came to teach us in the first place, which is direct devotion to the genuine God. If people are afraid to discover that God is a great deal bigger and more wonderful than anything Christianity ever taught us, then the problem is they're still stuck in fear. And fear is the opposite of love. You cannot love what you fear. So if you're a God-fearing person, then you've got to stop. Stop fearing God. God is nothing but perfect love, and you in particular are God's best beloved child. And that's where you start. And then it gets even better from there. Yeah, and you say in the book, like, every human mind is part of God. And you talk about Max Planck's work, which I talk about in my book as well. And it says there's no separation between you and God and no separation between you and other people. There is one eternal consciousness. Yes, that turns out to be true. Um, and, and it's a problem for science because they, they, they've spent 100 years trying not to find God. They made materialism their dogma. And as a result, they've kind of been stuck in place for 100 years. There have been no material, really major discoveries since, you know, Einstein because there can't be. They, they've gone in the wrong direction. But yes, Max Planck said consciousness is the grounding of reality. We can't get behind consciousness. And in fact, that turns out to be true. What we experience in a very limited way as human consciousness turns out to be the very same force that continuously manifests this universe. That's the genuine God. And Jesus told us that. Jesus didn't talk about a trinity. Trinities were invented hundreds of years after his death because they became hot in religions. I mean, there, is, there are trinities in a variety of, of um, uh, first uh, millennium religions like uh, Egypt, for example, the Egyptian religion, Horus and Isis and one other guy were, were their trinity. Jesus talked about God being infinitely loving spirit. God is spirit. No one can read the Gospels with any kind of understanding without realizing that for him to speak against the prevailing religion, which was Judaism, was a death sentence. He eventually suffered that death sentence. But he had to speak very carefully before he got there because he taught for, you know, 
what I think it's two and a half years or something like that. Maybe it was even three. I, I can't remember now. But he taught he taught for quite a while by carefully teaching in parables, giving us pieces pieces of truths over days of time. You can see him carefully parsing his words, giving us an Old Testament truth, which everyone said, "Oh yeah, he knows that stuff," and then a little tweak which allowed people to, who really were his followers to see. For example, God, love the Lord your God all your, with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what you hear in a Christian church. But the next line is, in that consists all the law and the prophets. You don't need the law and the prophets anymore if you've got just the law of love. That's one of the things, one of the most important things ever taught to human beings. It's all about love. And that turns out to be absolutely true. But again, Christians minimize that. It, it astonishes me. I was a Christian for the first 50 plus years of my life, zealously so. I was a lector in the Catholic Church. And I hadn't really understood just how off things were. I mean, you know, it's like you have a blinders on. And, and then suddenly you start to see it. And it makes, a, it makes sense that really Christianity makes no sense at all. A loving God would never insists that his son be sacrificed or else he can't forgive us for Adam's sin. That's a horrible teaching, but that's what all Christians believe. Yeah, it's so interesting. You talk of one part in the book about there being, you know, the future create has many possibilities and you talk about two future versions of humanity like 200 years in advance. Can yes. you share those two kind of visions that you were shown and what what Jesus is sharing? Like why is he why is it so important for him to share this work through you at this time in relation to these future versions of humanity? When Thomas broke in through a media and broke into my life in February of 2015, I still was refusing to write this book. And he said, this is what happens if you don't write this book. There, and they, suddenly what, what he showed me was a devastating... Like, I mean, imagine um, um, right after... Uh, the uh, an Armageddon, which of course never is going to happen. That's another made-up story. But imagine right after the Armageddon, desolation. I mean, poverty. Uh, it, it, everything was black. I mean, it was not even daytime. It was a horrible view. And then he, so he said, this is what's going to happen within 200 years unless we can turn the world around. But if we can bring the world back to the, the, the um, direction it was supposed to be taking now. This is what it's going to look like in 200 years. And a curtain closed and the curtain opened and it looked like what we're told heaven looks like. Gorgeous, huge flowers, beautiful greenery, people, happy people walking around wearing their spirit robes, just beautiful. And he said, this is the kingdom of God on earth. 200 years from now, that's, that's what's at stake, everyone who is listening. Um, we are, as we all can tell, things are going to rack and ruin, and apparently it's happening quickly. Among the things he said was going to happen would, would be that people, there'd be very few people would be born because people would be too poor to afford the laboratory process, um, which was going to be required in order for women to conceive. And already we know men are losing their ability to reproduce. So it's happening that fast. The kingdom of God on earth is very important for Christians to even think about because Jesus talks about it all the time in the Gospels. What is the kingdom of God on earth? The kingdom of God is the top level of the afterlife, right below the Godhead. 
It's, it's love, beautiful. Uh, it's just everything you can imagine magnified a thousandfold. And to bring that to earth is the reason why Jesus came. It exists now. It exists in the heavens. We can bring it to earth, and the way we do it is by following his teachings. Why is that hard for people to understand? His teachings matter. The dogmas that were thought up hundreds of years after his death do not matter at all. It's so powerful. And if you bring it back to like the really tangible, grounded, um, like actions we can take in life is really coming from a place of love. Yes. Love is really all that matters. If you do something from the, from the standpoint of love, for example, you may have to kill someone. You may have to steal to feed a child or whatever. If, if your only motive is love, then it's not a sin. You do the very same thing. In fact, I think Jesus came to abolish the concept of sin. I think that's also in the Gospels. No one talks about that. But as long as your motive is love, you can do anything. If your motive is not love, if it's you could do the best things in the world, but if you're trying to do them to make yourself famous, well, that wasn't very loving, was it? I mean, it's it's a stricter standard than any that Christians are held to. But that, that's what Jesus, he said, be perfect, just as your heavenly, heavenly father is perfect, perfect in love. That's yeah. our goal. Yeah, and I think it's like, you know, I always say this from, from where is your intention? Because it doesn't matter the choice that's made. It's the intention behind that. Are you making that choice from a place of fear? Or are you making that choice yes. from a place of love? And that's what really ripples out. And I think sometimes we get really hung up on the choice. We and, do. And the, yes. choi and the choice being right or wrong versus the same choice can be made from the energy and intention of love. And the same choice can be made from the intention of fear. I think it's very important that you're saying fear, too, because many people don't understand that consciousness, which is all that exists, is in a range of vibrations, the highest being perfect love, the lowest being abject fear. So if you're sitting in a pew and you're being feeling fearful because, of course, God has the elect and the not elect and he's going to send you to hell and so on, you're, you're actually being pulled farther and farther away from God. And there's just no way around that fact. So talking about fear is, is a very important thing. That's what we are out to vanquish. That's what Jesus came to vanquish. And you can see that if you read the Gospels with any kind of understanding. Yes. And when you look at, when you talk about, when we talk about religious wars or things, you know, that, that magnify the fear state, like peel back all the layers and it comes down to fear, right? Fear of otherness, yes. like my beliefs are different than your beliefs. Fear of, like you said, eternal damnation or not being accepted by, you know, your belief system or your God, that type of thing. And so when we look at the way that fear has continued to run rampant, you know, amongst human beings and currently in our society mounted by media, right? A lot of times yes. Yes. fear of people's, you know, belief systems and conjuring up like uh, many wars, right? Between different types of people. Um, we really have to take a look at what we interact with and be able, and I think that's what I was really getting from the book is like, if it's, if it's the love, right? And if we're focused on moving with the intention of love and making choices from the intention of love, we have to also be mindful to not be interacting with the fear states, right? To not play into that mindset and way of being and to be making choices from that because that's that if we're all one consciousness, then that is adding to the quotient. 
Yeah, and I think it's important people understand too that yes, Christianity, as we as it's been practiced for two thousand years, is dying. There is no question about that, um, and the approval rate for Christianity worldwide is is very low at this point. The approval rate in the United States for Jesus. Just Jesus is over 90% and worldwide. He is universally known, universally, almost universally loved in the world, even by people who are not Christian. That's not by accident. This is all being designed by God, literally as a way for him to save the world. And well, what about Armageddon? Isn't that, no, it can't happen. Why can't it happen? What would happen if Jesus spent all this effort to raise the vibration of the planet higher and higher toward ever more perfect love? And then he appeared on a white horse or whatever, however they think he'll appear. And he started killing people that he thought were evil. He would so fear, like you can't imagine on this planet. So we're saying Jesus came to so perfect love. And then 50 or 60 years later, um, he'd have changed his mind, and we get the book of Revelation. I don't think Jesus is that short-sighted. Uh, we are told by those we used to think were dead that there will never be an end times war. There cannot be one. And we can see why. It just doesn't make any sense. But the teachings it, of Jesus make perfect sense. It does. Exactly. And the more that we as individuals, I always go back to, like, what can we do as because sometimes I think as individuals, we feel powerless, like, oh, there's this whole world going on around us. And, That's right. <laughs> and we, we need to know how powerful we are. Yes. And, you know, by embracing love in your life, by making choices from love, that matters more than each person, I think, really realizes. That is such a wonderful point. We're told that if it's as few as 10% of the people on this planet will raise their personal consciousness vibration substantially. Because we're one mind, we will affect every other mind in a powerfully positive way. And we will start a reaction which is going to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. We'd, in other words, we don't have to reach everybody with these teachings. We just have to stop the fear, follow Jesus directly in perfect love, and then enable as many people as possible <coughs> excuse me, to see that. And lo and behold, we're going to start to raise the vibration of the entire planet, which to me is a wonderful, wonderful idea. It's an amazing idea. I, I'm so thrilled you wrote the book. I'm so thrilled. I think anybody is going to be able to extract important um, lessons and understandings for their life that they can start immediately integrating into everything that they do, which I think is makes the mark of a good book. Um, and I wonder if you can share where people can find out more about your work and find the book. Well, I'm at robertagrimes.com. Um, I've written a series of books. There, the, Some of them are, are fun books. The Fun of Dying about Death and the Afterlife. The Fun of Staying in Touch about how the dead communicate with us and we can communicate with them. The Fun of Growing Forever, which takes the teachings of Jesus and shows you how you can make this your last earth lifetime. Yes, we do reincarnate. Yes, Jesus said we do. But we're just reincarnating to try to raise our vibration enough so we can stop having to come back to this earth. And you can, even if you're older, you can do it in one generation. Jesus shows you how. That's the fun of growing forever. This fall, I'll be, we'll be putting out the fun of loving Jesus, embracing the Christianity that Jesus taught, which we'll talk about what he actually tells us he came to earth to do and how we can make that happen today. Oh, I love that. And I'm going to ask you the four questions like we did before when you were on with Carol. Um, 
And so, and maybe we'll apply it to specifically to your work with liberating Jesus. So what is a big, deep truth that you've come across on your journey in this work? Our minds are eternal. Our minds are part of God and we are infinitely loved. There is no fear, no anger, no hatred, nothing negative whatsoever in the universe, except what we silly people on earth have sown. It's nothing but love. Mm, it's beautiful. And what was released for you as you continue to deepen this work? Fear. I mean, that we're all afraid, right? I used to be terrified of the dark. Now I'll sit in the dark all night. I'm not afraid of a blessed thing. When you allow Jesus into your life, one of the signs of that is you absolutely lose all fear. Oh, so beautiful. And then what is the experience of life after that? Well, I've just gotten happier and happier. I'm old now. I mean, I, my birthday was yesterday. I was 73. Happy birthday. And, thank you, dear. And, and I have to tell you, I feel younger and happier every single day. Doing this work is the happiest you can possibly be. And it's just such a privilege and such a gift. I tell people, give your life to God because then it really starts. But everyone's afraid that God's going to ask them to do something awful. No, God knows you better than you know yourself. That's the start of real joy. Oh, I love that. And what keeps you in alignment with this? What, what keeps you in this energy that you're so beautifully sharing with us right now? because it's it's fun i mean you want to do something with your life that is fun for you and that helps the world right i mean that's really what what could be better than that it, it makes you stop caring about all the stuff that doesn't matter like money or possessions or you know how, what people think of you i don't care about any of that i care about the fact that this is like the best drug in the world doing god's work and seeing it help other people is the best drug there is Oh my gosh, 100% to all of that. It's so beautiful. I am right there with you. And thank you so much for doing the work and thank you for sharing it with us. I know it's always um, big to be able to write about this and to have what comes through you come through you. And so thank you for being so open and for showing up and for sharing. I really, I just bless you for that. It's amazing. Well, I'll, I'll it right back at you. Thank you for doing what you do and you help so many people. Bless you, dear. I'm Shauna Lee and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes. 